Hey, this is Jason Hubbard, and I, along with my wife, are the lead pastors of One Life Church in Nampa, Idaho. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. We hope that it encourages you and motivates you to live for Christ. Enjoy this message. I want to take today, and I want to have kind of just a, um, a family heart-to-heart conversation between us today, okay? This is not teacher-preacher Jason, although there might be some of that. This is, this is Pastor Jason just having a conversation, a family conversation. And um, I want to I kind of just talk about some of these things that we're, we're seeing take place in the world. Um, there's a lot of really crazy stuff going on right now in our world. If you look at, at our leaders, if you work at the, look at the economic structure of the world, if you look at all these things, there's a lot of negative things that are taking place, Right? And there's a lot of stuff that could actually bring a lot of fear to our lives, wouldn't you say? Anybody who has their retirement in the stock market would just look at it and be like, oh no, you know, like I got to get another job, you know, it's it's just crazy. But the other thing I see, and this is really what's encouraging me and and what I want to kind of talk about today is the revival that's sweeping our nation. You see... When the darkness gets dark, the lighter gets light. The light gets lighter. I'll I'll get it. I'll get it. And it's amazing to see what God is doing in our country. And specifically in the younger generation, there's a revival that is taking place. But but I'm, I'm here to tell you that the revival that is sweeping Asbury and some of these other university campuses is not just for the young people. God is no respecter of persons. So the revival that is sweeping across our nation is a revival for us. It's a revival where his heart is to meet with his people. And we're seeing some some beautiful things. You've been watching, I'm sure you guys have seen all of the stuff taking place in Asbury and 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 good grief. Like they've been in nonstop worship now for, for a long time. And I read an article the other day that said conservatively between 50,000 and 70,000 young people have stepped foot just on that one campus. That's revival. What else draws 50 to 70,000 young people to the presence of God? We are seeing something that is a move of God like, like we've never seen before. You say, well, there's been moves of God. Absolutely. But every move of God has a specific identity to it. And this move of God that we see taking place in our world right now has a specific identity to it. The, the Jesus Revolution movie just came out, which, how many of you have seen it already? You are all, okay, a few people. I, good, because I'm feeling left out, so I want to go see it. But it's amazing, because it talks about the Jesus people revolution and what happened in that moment of revival. It was different than what we see now. Same God, same Holy Spirit, same encouragement to his people, but it looks different. The details are different. And so, so when, we, when we come to these places, we come to these moments, we can look at these revivals that are taking place in these moments, and we can respond with a couple of different ways. One is we can respond a lot of times with, God, we want you to do that here. Maybe it's just me. Okay. Okay. I'll be over here talking to myself. (laughs) We respond with God, what you're doing in Asbury, what you're doing in Kentucky, what you're doing in some of these other parts of the world. Lord, would you do it here in Nampa, Idaho at One Life? 
Like, like, I hope that that's our heart. But there also can be this, this thing that, that in us that, that often is drawn to experiences, mountaintop experiences, which are incredible, which are incredible. But if I can for a second, I just want to kind of pastor our hearts through this to help us to, to, to understand something really important. You do not have to be in Kentucky to receive the revival. You do not have to travel to a distant place to experience the presence of God as if the presence of God is limited to a certain geographical place. But many times in our Christian walk, we can crave these mountaintop experiences. And, and I'm here to tell you, there is nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with craving these moments in the presence of God. These, these life-altering moments, these pivotal moments that get a hold of our hearts and they're catalyst moments to shake us and propel us into something that God has. Like These are what these moments are for. But I recognize in this a couple things. That in every revival, in every revival, you look at every move of God throughout history, there's authenticity and there's also counterfeit. Every move of God. And we can look and we can say, well, well, that's just beautiful and that's just incredible and going after it. But if we're not careful, we can go after the experience, which sometimes can be counterfeit to what God wants to do. Now, I am not saying, I, I believe, I'll, I'll say this, this is my disclaimer before anybody starts writing me an email. <laughs> I believe that there is a move of God, a genuine move of God taking place in Asbury and other places in our country. I believe it wholeheartedly. There is revival that is shaking our nation, which by the way, we shouldn't be surprised about because the book of Joel says in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on our people and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. So this should not surprise us. This has been prophesied a really, really long time ago that this is gonna take place. But when we look at it, our hearts need to approach this from a right perspective. We're not after the emotional high of these moments. We're after the transformation that takes place in them. And I recognize this. Whether you are in the chapel at Asbury, or whether you are in here at the ballrooms at the Nam Pacific Center, or you are in your home during the week, the same thing is true. Revival is personal for you. A group of people seeking God can be a catalyst, but it does not replace what God does in your life. And for us, if we think, if we, if we continue to look at moves of God simply as this thing that's just going to stir up this thing inside of us, we miss it. We miss it. Now, does God use these moments? Absolutely, and he is. But, but there's, a, there's a few verses that I want to I share today out of the book of Psalms. And, uh, and to kind of paint this picture of what our response in this is. Because if you're like me, have any of you looked at what's happening in some of these other places going, I want to buy a plane ticket and I want to go? <laughs> Anybody else done that? Let me be honest. 
That's not a bad thing, by the way. Everyone's like, is that a good thing or a bad thing? No, I wanted to do it. But I'm reminded that God has an outpouring for me personally, has an outpouring for our church. And any time that there's a move of God, there is a wave that is started. And I believe that what has started in Asbury, what has started in Kentucky, is going to be a wave that stretches out over the nation. And that we are going to encounter the presence and the love of God like we never have before. And I believe that we are going to see transformation after transformation. I believe that we're going to see miracles and signs and wonders take place. I believe that we are going to see God poured out and the spirit of God poured out in some amazing ways in these last days. And I believe that because the Bible says that that's what's going to happen. So, so, so how do we process through where we're at right now? I want to read a couple of different passages here, and then, and then we're just going to um, we're going to end kind of in a place of, of worship and just coming back to him. But uh, I want to bounce around to a couple different places. Psalm um, 27. Just kidding. I'm going to start in Psalm 53. There we go. There we go. I knew that didn't look right. Thank the Lord for highlighting. That would have been weird. Everyone's like, that, that verse doesn't mean what you think it means. And you would be correct. Psalm 53, verse 2. In the middle, in the middle of a move of God, in the middle of standing in this place in history, and in the middle of everything that God is doing in our country and in our worlds, This is the truth that I know. Psalm 53, verse 2. Oh, by the way, today, there's not going to be notes, text notes or anything, because I want to have a conversation. So you can can open your Bible and use it. (laughs) Feel, Feel free. Feel free to know. Psalm 53, verse 2. God looks down from heaven on the entire human race, and he looks to see if anyone is truly wise. And then it says this, if anyone seeks God. What is God looking for? A heart that seeks him. God is in the middle of looking across the world in the United States, and he's looking for a people that would seek him. My prayer is that when God looks at one life, he sees people that want to seek him. My prayer is that God doesn't look and, and, and glance in our direction and then move on. My prayer is that his eyes are fixed because he sees a people that are seeking his heart, that are going after him, that are, that are not stopping with anything in order to pursue the heart of God. This is what I know about any revival that takes place, is that God finds people whose hearts are seeking him, and he pours out his spirit. And it's personal. It's in our lives. And as we come together, living in this personal thing that God does in our lives, God begins to do something in our midst. As we come together in a place of unity, God begins to pour out his spirit in a fresh way. 
And, and this is something that we should desire. We should desire the presence of God. And, and I'm going to talk about why. But we, we're going to desire the presence of God. So as I was praying and I was going through here, I was thinking about how God was looking and he was, he was looking for those that seek him. And then I was praying about how does this tie into where we're at with gathering at the table? How, how does this tie in? Where does where this, this metaphor that we're sitting in? And it absolutely does. Because I, I was reminded as I was praying of Psalm 23. Psalm 23, probably one of the most famous, famous passages in the Bible, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? We all know it very, very well. And in there, there's one verse, verse 5. It says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare a table for me. Now, now just for a second, and then, and then I'm going to, God asked me a question, and I'm going to ask you the question here in a second. But before I do, the table. What does the table represent? The table represents provision. There's provision at the table. The table that God has prepared for us has provision, natural and spiritual. There's a provision of his spirit for your life. There's a provision of wisdom for your life. There's a provision of healing for your life. There's a provision of miracles for your life. There's a provision for those of you who are believing for a son, daughter, granddaughter, grandson that has walked away from the Lord that to return to him. There's a provision of salvation. There's a provision that is at the table. And this is what God brings to us. The second thing is this, is that the table provides proof of divine favor. It provides proof of divine favor. There is a favor that rests upon the people of God. There is a favor. And the fact that God is providing a table for us to come to and to receive this infilling of all these things in our life proves that he shows his favor to his kids. He shows his favor to those that seek him. He shows his favor and he pours out his favor upon their life in every single way. I want you to believe that whether you actually feel it or not, there's some favor resting on your life. Whether you're actually living in the reality of that right now that you're facing, there is favor that rests upon your life. If you are in Christ Jesus, there is favor. There is favor. There's favor. The third thing, the table offers protection of the host. The protection of the host. This was interesting. I was, I was digging in here for a second, and, and, and the symbolism and the importance of the table or, and prepared in the presence of the enemies was interesting. It has history that dates back to the Orient. And the idea is that in the middle of a battle time, the host would prepare a feast, a table, for the soldiers. And the soldiers would come to the table. But what was different about it is it wasn't just come, eat as fast as you can, look over your back and your shoulders, eat, get up, and move on. The idea behind this is that if a host prepared a table for the warriors, they could come and as they sat at the table and partaked of, partook, partaked, I don't know, as they partooken of the, the, the meal that was prepared for them, as they partook of that, they actually sat in the protection of the host. 
they could actually let their guard down because as they were at the, the, the table of a monarchy, as they were in the presence of a king, they fell under the protection of the king. And this is the power that's here. God's prepared a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Why? It's because there's favor on us that when we come to the table, we actually receive the protection of the Lord against the enemy. See, the enemy might be shouting really, really hard at you. The enemy might be coming and whispering all kinds of stuff in your ears. It might be that in your life right now, maybe the loudest voice in your mind and in your heart is the voice of the enemy. The lies that the enemy wants to sow in, the shame, the condemnation, the depression, the anxiety, the worry, the fear, all of these things that the enemy just wants to shout out you. Maybe you're in a moment where that is really loud. I want you to know that as God prepares a table for us to come to and his spirit comes out on us, there is a protection against the enemy. And Adam Barnes says in his commentary that the actual idea is the fact that as you're at the table in the complete protection of the one, the host, the king who has prepared the table, the enemy actually has to look on but can't do anything. That the enemy, there's like a, there's a, there's a truce, there's a, there's, a, there's a common place, there's a place of peace at the table where the enemy looks but he can't touch. He, he wants to. And maybe, maybe when we come to the table and we receive the spirit of the Lord into our lives, maybe he's still shouting at us, but he can't touch us as we sit under the protection of the host. And finally, the table offers peace. The table offers peace. Um, it's interesting as you look at this particular move of God that started in Asbury. It's being called right now the revival of peace. The revival of peace. And why? Because if you look where the revival originated, it was with Gen Z. It was with the younger generation. Well, what's the predominant marker of the younger generation right now? Anxiety. Now, it's not just limited to the younger generation. Anybody else in here ever have some anxiety? Maybe, you know, hey, that's me too, you know? <laughs> anxiety is a thing we all face, right? So how fitting and how perfect is it that in a generation that is wrought with anxiety and fear and depression and worry and all of these things, that the revival would be one of peace? Yeah. Well, that just makes sense. Right. It's interesting as you talk to people who have been at Asbury and sat in the chapel, they say that one of, the, the, one of the, the markers of it is the fact that there's no personality that's leading those moments. There's no person up there who everyone's drawn to. They don't even have the best worship team in the world. I mean, I emailed them and said, hey, do you want us to come? Because we can bring our worship team. <laughs> I didn't do that. It was a letter. Um, But there's no marker of anything like that. What is the marker of it? It's peace. You ask anybody that's been in that room and they say that not only is there worship, but there's extended times of waiting. Extended times of simplicity. Why? 
Because that's what we need. That is what our hearts and our souls are craving, is the antidote. And so I get really excited because as I look at this, I look at this reality of the fact that the enemy has been playing all kinds of games with our minds. And he's been doing all kinds of stuff to try to tear us down. And he's worked really good at it. He's brought a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, a lot of discouragement, a lot of depression. What was the word you used? It's skipping my mind. Despair. Thank you. Shane had an incredible word for our our team this morning as we met. Despair. The enemy's been using all of those things to just yell at us. It's been going on for a while. But I get the biggest satisfaction in my heart going, God knew that. And he goes, the revival I'm going to send is the antidote. And it's going to flip all of that on its head. Oh, he had it already. He's like, yeah, enemy, you can do all you want. You can try to destroy my people. Go ahead. Go ahead. Bring anxiety. Bring worry. Bring fear. Bring depression. Bring all these things. Because I'm going to bring a revival that's just going to eliminate all that. God knows. It gives me hope to know God sees us. He's not far off. He's, He's right here. And he goes, this is what you need. This is what you need. Anybody would say in here that you could use a revival of peace in your life. And everybody else that's not, whatever, we'll pray for you anyway. A revival of peace, a revival of peace. Now here's the thing, this, this, is, this was the thing that I've never read this passage before this way. And this is where it comes to back to personal revival, personal seeking of God, bringing it full circle. I read this verse. It says that God prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. But do you know what's still required? We have to come to the table. It doesn't do any good if the shepherd's prepared a table for you with all of these things, provision, Favor, protection, peace. Doesn't do any good if he's prepared that table, but we won't come. This is where the first verse, God looks for a people that will seek his face. God looks for people that will approach the table. He looks for people, like Ellie was sharing about last week, that are hungry for the presence of God. Hungry for life. Hungry for peace hungry for wholeness, hungry for miracles to take place in our lives, where maybe we've looked at every other option and come up short. And we need a work of the Holy Spirit. So we have a choice, you guys. And this is, this is what you see taking place in some of these places where there's these pockets of revival taking place, is there is a response to what God is doing. And there is a coming to the table. And when we come to the table... We will, we will receive what God's promised and what he's prepared. Maybe in your life, those are, it's one of those four, provision, protection, favor, peace. And one of those just resonates with you this morning. I want you to know that, that there is those things at the table. Final scripture, and then we're gonna transition. Psalm 27 I'm going to read this chunk of scripture. And the ending phrase of this is what is 
what our heart should be. Psalm 27 verse 1 says this, the Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I'm attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me there when my troubles come, the protection that's there. He will hide me in his sanctuary. The host will provide sanctuary for us, sanctuary for our souls. When I was a little kid, I used to read that as like, you know, you, you hide me in your sanctuary. Well, we, lived, we were in a big church and, and, and there were lots of pews and lots of places to hide under the pews. And I thought, well, yeah, that sounds great. I want to hide in the sanctuary, you know. My parents didn't like that very much. Um, he will place me out of reach on a high rock. And then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. And at his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Hear me as I pray, O Lord, be merciful and answer me. And then this is the verse. My heart has heard you say, Lord, come and talk with me. Come and meet with me. Come to the table. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. My, my, my heart and my prayer for us is that as we hear the gentle calling and beckoning of Jesus, we respond, I'm coming. I'm coming. There ain't nothing that can keep me away. There's no voice of the enemy that can keep me away from, trying, from coming to the table of the Lord, from coming and receiving everything that you have for me. God, I'm coming. There's a table prepared for us that we have to approach. I want, the, I want to invite the worship team to come join me. And we're going to end worship just, end the service just in this place. Um, we're going to go back in and sing Worthy of It All and just create a moment. <laughs> Not an experience, but a moment. My, my hope is that in these few short scriptures that I've been able to share with you, that you understand where my heart is coming from, my pastoral heart for us is to be a people that as God seeks and looks over, he sees a people that will respond with, Lord, I'm coming. And, and, and that's not just here on a Sunday. That's with our lives. Um, I'm going to put something out there. And, and whether you step into it is up to you. But I'm going to put it out there. Um, there's a, a friend of mine. He's a, he's a prayer pastor back in Portland. And he's just an incredible guy. 
And one of the things that he, is, he has been kind of a, a theme of his life is the idea of what it looks like to start the day in worship. Start the day in worship. Like, don't do anything else before worship. And he does these things called 40-day worship challenges where he'll get a bunch of people together and it's just every day you make this commitment that you're gonna start your day. And it's not organized and it's not a program, but you start your day, usually in the Psalms, with worship music, sitting and letting the Holy Spirit come meet with you and then worshiping the Lord. And there's something powerful that takes place as you take dedicated time every day to create a rhythm in your life of worship, of pursuit, of seeking the Lord. There's something that shifts in your life. I've seen it happen in my life over and over again. And there's something powerful that takes place. And so what I want to I invite you into is a worship challenge. I want to invite you into a worship challenge. And what that looks like is this. Starting, I'm, I'm thinking the month of March, but I'm going to start it sooner. Is committing that every morning, I'm going to begin my morning with worship music, reading one of the Psalms, allowing my heart to connect with him and bringing him praise and then letting him seek, letting him speak. And this is why, this is why. Because when, I want, when, when God looks at my life, Jason Hubbard's life, I want him to see someone that's seeking his heart. I don't want him going, oh yeah, Jason, cool guy. Yeah, 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 he's awesome. He's kind of good at talking, has some funny jokes. That's great. I want him to see that I'm seeking him. So I want to invite you into that challenge. And whatever that looks like for you, I'm not going to dictate it because this isn't something that needs to be programized. It doesn't need to be, you know, I was thinking about, oh, do I put together some sort of Bible reading program? No, not at all. This is just between you and God. Now, in the app, what I have done is I've created a group and you can sign up for the group. It's an open group for everybody. And all that's for is as you're spending time with the Holy Spirit and as you're pursuing him, things that he speaks to you having a, plat a platform to be able to share it with our church. And so if you want to jump into that, that's open for you to be able to do that. Maybe it's just one verse and you're like, God was speaking this out of, you know, to me today, whatever it is. But this is the thing I know. And that sounds like, oh, you, you created a, a thing. Well, if we're not intentional about anything, then what's going to change? Right? We have to create some things that help us to be intentional to pursue the heart of God, right? So I'd invite you to that. Not requirement. It's, you, you don't have to do it, but it is there for us to be able to start to pursue the heart of God together. But what I would ask and what I would challenge us to do is every day to step into this place of worship, every day to step into this place of the Psalms and letting his spirit come. And sometimes I'm going to tell you right now, what that means for me is just sitting, not saying a word, because I can talk a lot. God doesn't need my words. Sometimes he needs, he does, I mean, he loves my worship. But sometimes he just wants me to sit in quiet and let him actually speak to me.